You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Travis Fryer, your trusty, if not talented, host of the program with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. They have those great classes you can sign up for. I think my man, uh, James Ludeman, actually, has uh, booked... Well, uh, maybe I'm. I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to spoil any surprises. But, no, she uh, knows. She knows. It's okay, okay. Good. okay. All right. There I go. There I go. I didn't want to step all over that. But they've got those great classes. You know, you and the significant other, maybe a group of friends, can go out there to Peterbrook Chocolatier and a uh, little chocolate making class. A lot of fun, and even better, you get to take the great product home with you. Most importantly, right? Hey, uh, joined by the aforementioned James, who together we combined a form. The 60-minute bid of Sports Talk Radio. What about it, James? You're a happy guy, though, regardless, because uh, you're raised with another win in that ALCS. Yeah, beautiful uh, pitching last night from Charlie Morton, and uh, excited about that. It it got a little nerve-wracking, I think, there toward the end, but we we, we were able to pull it out, and we're up 2-0 on the Houston trash cans. It's great. (laughs) Don't we have the trash pandas that are trying to get trying to take flight up there in madison yes area yes and And it's so we've got crazy the trash cans now the trash astros i guess or something the trash Astros. the trash Astros. i like that go yeah go ahead get the uh copyright ready um no but uh ray's looking good the atlanta braves with a game one win in the nlcs out in arlington texas last night over those hated Los Angeles Dodgers, Max Free doing his thing. Nice performance. And again, that Braves bullpen, man, lights out. Three innings, zero hits, zero runs, zero walks. Just a stress-free pitching performance from the Braves. And Austin Riley with the big blow there in the top of the ninth. Ozzy Albies, uh, you hope, getting untracked with that uh, homer of his own. Um, so good stuff from the Atlanta Braves last night. Really didn't get to watch a whole lot of it. Because I went to a benefit concert over in the Ham at the uh, iconic, legendary, maybe in some instances infamous, the Nick 
you know, one of the top rock and roll clubs uh, anywhere that you'll find. Been around since 1982. A lot of big acts have gone through there. Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, the Black Keys, uh, Jane's Addiction. You've been to the Nick. If you like music, you like live music. So they were having sort of this benefit show last night. It's uh, they, they need money, man. These these, these local music venues, uh, they're they're just getting crushed by this COVID nineteen. So they did. They've set up an outdoor stage now at the Nick there in Southside Birmingham, and they had Mike Cooley from my favorite band. The Drive-By Truckers, Mike Cooley, probably my favorite songwriter of a generation on top of everything else. So it was a solo acoustic gig in the parking lot on a makeshift stage. Everyone socially distanced. They only sold like 80 tickets for this entire thing. And so you brought your lawn chair and you just set up there in the parking lot of the Nick and watch Cooley do his thing. If you if you hear the, by the way, if you're not aware of this, the sh- the song we use to open the show each and every day that is a mike cooley song with the drive-by truckers that's women without whiskey and mike played that for us i'm sure he played that for uh the chocolate lady and myself specifically i know he did well maybe not that one that one doesn't exactly refer to a uh successful relationship there but uh, it was a lot of fun i didn't know that i didn't know that about the song that's pretty cool i always wonder where that song came from that's great that's uh that's women without whiskey from the drive-by truckers and mike cooley and mike gave us that one acoustically last night over in birmingham they did have the baseball on inside at the nick you know and they had the monday night football how about the saints coming back from 20 to three down and uh and getting the job done a lot of justin herbert love huh as in rat poison yeah. I don't like the Saints. Yeah. That AFC South is something else, huh? Other than the Atlanta Falcons, Ouch. I guess. But uh, the Falcons, of course, in transition now from the front office on down through the head coach over there in the ATL. But um, we got a lot of college football talk to get into on this Tuesday morning, as you might expect. A decent weekend, right? in the Southeastern Conference upon us and some wild ramblings here in the last couple of days. You've got stuff being thrown around about multiple defensive coordinators in the Southeastern Conference uh, being in peril right now as far as their employment goes. Nothing official, so uh, there's that. You know, there were some some rumors going yesterday, I guess, on social media and on the Internet that Pete Golding had been officially replaced by Charlie Strong or had been demoted, and Charlie Strong was now the defensive coordinator at Alabama. You know, there's this thing called math, too, that you got to take into account. And um, you can have 10 on the field assistant coaches in college football. That's by NCAA rule. So, yeah, if you're going to make a change to one of your on the field staff members, you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to have to really just part ways altogether you know if you're pete golding and hypothetically your boss came to you and said you know what we're gonna move you to an analyst role or something you probably just say yeah i don't know maybe you would do it but you you, with the contracts being what they are right now i'd probably just ask for my buyout and uh we'll check you down the road but none of that has happened to the best of our knowledge anyway at bamaonline.com you got todd grantham catching heat down at Florida after that performance, especially in the second half against Texas A&M on Saturday there in College Station. So uh, 
I drank. I drank the Kool Aid on that. I I really thought he was fired. I totally drank the Kool Aid. (laughs) Boy, you know, it was like a false start Black Monday for defensive coordinators in the SEC yesterday, wasn't it? Who do you think gets fired first out of those two? I mean, if if it came down to it, who would be the one that that you'd look at and go, "He's gone." Hmm. You know, there's a couple of different ways to look at that, and I and I'm not one to typically make predictions about folks employment but but you know there is a there is already kind of a a organizational structure we'll call it at Alabama that's in place that if you did want to make a change if you did at say defensive coordinator it wouldn't be all that hard to get the next guy in there I will say that about the presence of, say, Charlie Strong, and not just him, but you've got Mike Stoops laying or hanging around, too. But you could say that about the offensive side of the ball at Alabama as well. I mean, Major Applewhite's former head coach, former offensive coordinator at Alabama, and he's there in support as an analyst to Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, less tumultuous times, as we know, on the offensive side of the ball at Alabama right now. I don't know if they, I guess what I'm saying is, if a a succession plan at that spot would be as is uh, easy or as seamless, you know, at uh, at Florida. Plus, your head coach at Florida is an offensive guy, right? So, if you wanted to make an in-season change uh, at defense coordinator, you really better feel good about the guy you can slide right in there. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. I'll tell you this, you know, the way it looks right now. In the SEC West, I know Alabama fans are looking for silver linings and whatnot. I think if Alabama just splits these next two games between Georgia and Tennessee in the East, I think they're golden as far as the SEC championship game is concerned. I mean, now that you've seen Ole Miss and understand what kind of challenge that's going to be for teams on the Rebel schedule coming up, including Auburn and still LSU and Texas A&M, um, and to already have a win over A&M and Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, with what you've seen to this point, and as much as you didn't like what you saw defensively Saturday night, can you really look at the SEC West right now with what Alabama has left at LSU, Mississippi State here, Auburn on the road? Arkansas suddenly on the road to end the season. You know, looks formidable at least potentially but again i think if you split these next two um you're in great shape to get to atlanta now if you split the next two you have no room for error no margin for error where the cfp is concerned with one loss going into late october and on into november early december but that's kind of the way it looks to me right now hey let's go to the peterbrook chocolatier studio line right now and check in with cowboy out in texas on a Tuesday. Cowboy, how you doing? All right, Travis, how are you? I'm great, sir. Hey, I'm from Birmingham originally, and I've spent a lot of nights at the Nick before. <laughs> Do they still have the staples outside on the uh, on the uh, wall? The pictures you know, and they stuff? The, the, were they staples of flyers that had been oh, posted yeah. there? Oh, yeah. There's, there's tons of that stuff still. And I, I can yeah. tell you this, I bet it still smells the same way there, too, right? 
But uh, so. if you're kind of a veteran of taverns and dives, like it sounds like you are and I am, there's almost a sense of nostalgia associated with that smell that is comforting. You feel like you're home. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean, cowboy? Yeah. It's, it's weird, yeah. but uh, I don't know what it says about us, cowboy. But uh, it, 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 it's warming almost. It warms your heart, Yeah, when, you know, that smell. Yeah. When Lee's <laughs> tomb was in Tuscaloosa when I was in school there, it, we would call it tomb funk. If you didn't get tomb funk on your shoes, that's uh, down there. The booth, man. You know. The booth, too. The old booth? Yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. man. And the old houndstooth hey. took on that aroma yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, you know who I saw in the Nick was a good concert one time was Webb Wilder. Are you a fan of Webb Wilder? I, not not as I, not as familiar, maybe as you are. They wore kind of a kind of a cowboyish kind of style hat. Oh, there you he go. Was good Webb yeah. Wilder. He was back in the late eighties, early nineties. You like you uh, like troubadours, it. I'm guessing. You like troubadours. Mm, I'm not. I like the Grateful Dead, but these other guys, I'm not really crazy about. A friend okay. of mine, Birmingham, goes to the tr- the drive through truckers, but honestly, <laughs> I don't know much about them. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, on my serious XM. I've been listening to the YouTube channel a lot. I mean, that's yeah. just all. You can't go wrong with that. Uh, can't go wrong with that. Uh, yeah. No. Um. But uh, I saw the Black Crows at uh, at the. At the Nick driving and crying. I, absolutely, I had my driving and crying T-shirt on last night at the Nick. Absolutely. Oh, did you? Did oh, you yeah. Uber back to Tus? Did you Uber back to Tuscaloosa? Or no, somebody- you know we're we're old folks now, so we we kind of you know like we did to Missouri on that trip. It was kind of a me, Maul, and Paul Paul trip. You know, we got over there and we went to Giuseppe's near UAB, the uh, longtime mm-hmm. pizza joint right there. I had a good pizza. Mm-hmm. And then we just sort of mm-hmm. low-keyed it into the neck and, you know, had a beverage during the show. But that was about it, man. It was pretty pretty low-key, pretty low-key for a Monday I, night. Did they have a good crowd? They had what they could have, you know, based on what oh. they were trying to do with social distancing. I think they only sold like 80 tickets total, and they sold them all pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, you know, for, for what they were shooting for and trying to do, uh, they maxed it out. Yeah. Did you go to Alabama? I, I did. I, I I was a uh, I was I was a one and done, but I didn't play basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I actually oh, did, but while I was at Alabama, I actually had an opportunity in the early '90s to get into the recruiting coverage business. And back then, it was still in the form of actual magazines, right? Forrest Davis, Mm -hmm, Jeff mm -hmm. Jeff Whitaker, those type of things. And I actually was a partner in a startup on one of those that we did for four or five years. And so I did that instead of college, I guess. But I did. I I I was a student at Alabama. Uh, and then I turned pro, I like to say. I turned pro. You know? I heard you. Well, hey, at least you started <laughs> making money before I did. Hey, you know, people talking about Pete Golden, Travis, and, you know, this horse was let out of the barn two years ago, last year. I mean, you know, we knew this was going to happen. And, hey, I, you know, I, I love Coach Saban to death. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, we, 
you know, we can't make excuses for it. We've seen the blueprint, and it's just not a good house under Pete Golden. I mean, you know, we may beat Georgia, but we can't beat a Clemson with his style defense or an Ohio State. Could you know? It just it it but, it's just but not. It, the, is it is it Pete Golding's defense really though? At the end of the day, is it is it is is it Nick's defense that just isn't being implemented well enough? You know, I guess my well, biggest concern is even at the positional level. We can talk about Pete Golding's defense and Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator, but you're seeing so many fundamental breakdowns. I'm left to wonder just at the positional levels. You know, are we yeah, not well, talking we about ca- that enough? Yeah, well, we got Carl Scott met him. Great guy, great recruiter, but, you know, he coached the defensive backs at Texas Tech when David Gibbs was the D coordinator there with Clingsbury, mm-hmm. who's in that infamous game with uh, Baker Mayfield and, and Patrick yeah. Mahomes, you know. Shootout. Um, well, I think the corners yeah. are fine. I think the corners are fine. I think Malachi Moore at star has shown a lot of promise. Uh, been a little bit up and down, but look, he's a true freshman in that spot. Um, you know, safety has been an issue. Um, and we know that Charles Kelly missed some time early in the season. Uh, so there wasn't continuity going into the season, maybe at that spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, it, I, that, that, when you talk to me about Pete Golding and, and Pete Golding or people do as Pete Golding as a coordinator, my response to that is I'm more interested in his inside linebackers. Watch the inside yeah. linebackers. How are they playing? If the inside linebackers aren't playing well, then everything else is going to come off of that. And, you know, this isn't, again, to throw Pete Golding entirely under the bus. It's just you sort of you sort of connect the dots on some things. And, yeah. you know, you get what you get yeah. at, at, at this yeah. point, at this level of football, if, if you're overseeing a situation like this. Yeah. Well, watch the Georgia coordinator Saturday, Dan Lanning. He oh, GA'd at Alabama and. 15 when Kirby's last year. And he brings the heat, the intensity on the sideline. I saw a clip on him in the locker room before the Auburn game on that SEC show on the SEC network. There's no way Pete Golden brings that intensity. He just, it's not in him. He's he's got that Grateful Dead, laissez-faire look. I'm with you. I like Dan Lanning. And you talk about value. And I talk about these. Two-plus million SEC Western Division coordinators. You know what Dan Lanning made last year? Last season as the defense coordinator at Georgia. He made 750000 in 2019. They bumped him up a half million to 1.25 because his old boss at Memphis, Mike, Mike Norvell, tried to get him to go to Florida State. And so even right. at 1.25 and even understanding, yes, Kirby's a defensive guy, I'm with you on Dan Lanning. And also I think Derek Ainsley has shown some promise uh, with Jeremy Mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. Tennessee as well. So things Mm -hmm. to keep in mind, I I guess maybe. I I think Nick's defense, and you look at Belichick, people that can call his defenses grew up in it from a analysis, a a street, a, a sweep the floor role to begin with. And they just kept building, building, building. You know, Jeremy's um, a prime example of that. I mean, Jeremy, right, you right. talk about, you know, like a golf course, you start in the cart barn before you become the club yeah. professional all the way up. 
Right. I mean, that's that's right. essentially what Jeremy was at Alabama coming in here from Hoover High School. I mean, he worked in the cart barn, then he worked the range, you know, then he worked the pro shop, and now he's the he's the the club pro in in a way of I guess looking at that. But hey, cowboy, we always right. appreciate the call. Thanks for taking us yeah, back to the Nick, man. Yeah. All right, the Knicks feel the greatest. <laughs> it's the GOAT, no doubt. There he goes, Cowboy. We got some nightclub talk in, music club talk in with Cowboy, Pete Golding talk. We kind of touched on it all. We're going to do that. We're going to continue that with Brent Beard coming up next. We'll go around the Southeastern Conference with Brent as we do on Tuesdays. It's Southern Fried Sports presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier. More of the show right after this. If- From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama Sports, and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Second-ranked Alabama improved to 3-0 on the season with a 63-48 win over Ole Miss last Saturday. Now the tide is gearing up for third-ranked Georgia this Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Head coach Nick Saban addressed the media on Monday afternoon. Well, you know, sometimes I think um, it doesn't ever hurt if you really get in a fight. And um, I'm really proud of the way our team, you know, handled the fight, played through the fight. No one showed any desperation at all in terms of the effort and the poise that, you know, we continue to play with and, you know, a very, very difficult, um, you know, game. So uh, the way the guys competed in the game was uh, outstanding. I'll have more in a moment. Tradition is built by doing the right things over and over again. At Alabama, this means 27 SEC championships and 17 national titles. Well, at Dex Imaging, this means taking great care of our customers day in and day out. Dex Imaging has a tradition of providing quality office equipment at a fair price with quick, reliable service. Put Dex Imaging's tradition of satisfied customers to work for your business. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of the Crimson Tide. Alabama football's Najee Harris was selected as the Southeastern Conference Offensive Player of the Week. The honor is Harris's first of the season. The senior running back turned in a career effort with 248 all-purpose yards against Ole Miss. He also rushed for a program tying in career best five touchdowns. Harris averaged nine yards per carry on the day, totaling 206 yards on 23 carries. And that's your Bama Update, Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. A bright sunny sky across West Alabama today, the high 78, clear tonight, the low 53. Tomorrow and Thursday, lots of sunshine both days, highs between 81 and 84. Friday, breezy and much cooler with a sunny sky, the high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama Football. Visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. of Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. 
with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And as we typically do at this time on Tuesdays, time to head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio and check in with our great friend, Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. Brent, I don't know. We usually go pretty long with this segment, and I don't know if even the time we have allotted is enough to cover what we saw certainly even last weekend, but looking ahead to, I mean, on paper before the season, when you looked at this weekend based on the altered SEC only mm-hmm. schedule, uh, this is certainly one of the top two or three you had circled, I would guess. Oh yeah. There's no doubt about that. And, and, and we won't talk about it much, but I mean, Trav, even down here, there, there's interest in beyond LSU and Florida, uh, Florida State to host North Carolina. This that's a top five team that I think probably no one's paying attention to right now. It's early, and then a, a pretty good Pittsburgh team comes to Miami with Kenny Pickett as the number one quarterback in the ACC. So, uh, Trev, I think overall, uh, yeah, what we would certainly have to say, Saturday's gonna be one of the biggest days of the year. Yeah, great, great Saturday of uh, college football and. You know, the weekend we're coming off of, wanted to get a couple of your thoughts from that, certainly from the Alabama perspective. As you might expect, uh, <laughs> there's been some blowback, some yeah. pushback from the old fan base for that defensive mm-hmm. performance against uh, Alabama's one-time offensive coordinator, Lane Kiffin, over in Oxford on Saturday night is concerned. Um, just kind of based on what you saw Saturday night, at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, and then sort of what you've heard, maybe from Nick Saban post-game, Nick Saban again on Monday addressing the media. Uh, what's the level of concern, in your opinion, for this defense looking ahead to Georgia coming in here? Well, I think there's a lot of it, but I, I'll say this too, Trav. I, I don't – and and you you can look at the schedule and, and figure this out real quick. I don't think they're going to play a better offense than they did Saturday night in what – Kiffin is done with Matt Corral, who obviously was with Florida, and and those skill position players have just been amazing, frankly. And again, uh, we're, we're playing uh, seven on seven football this year, and, the, and that's kind of the way uh, that it is. Uh, it, it certainly uh, uh, it was important for Bama to be able to uh, keep up offensively, and and I I still hold people as how incredible that was to virtually have the pressure on them that they did and score virtually in every possession, uh, be able to spread the ball. Uh, obviously, the defense needs a lot of work, but I still say it was a some of that was a wet field. Uh, some of that was um, uh, the uh, Ole Miss offense having its Johnny Manziel, Stephen Garcia moment uh, in time where everything pretty well came together. Uh, for them. Uh, now, look, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. You can't change stuff overnight. Uh, but I can tell you, Florida, LSU, I mean, you almost named the team, Travis, for struggling defensively right now. It is really going on. And, and a lot of it is teams needing to get in position to make plays to, uh, to, to actually work on tackling. COVID really took its toll with that. Uh, so, I, I, Trev, I think Alabama Ole Miss is very indicative uh, of uh, what we've had in year so far, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I think because of the vacuum we live in here uh, in Tuscaloosa <laughs> and given the focus on this team on a daily basis, and I wrote about this too, 
uh, in the last couple of days. It, it, th- this has been pretty common across the league. I mean, no, look that- at LSU defensively right now. I know that the attrition's been there. You've had changeover from Dave Aranda to Bo Pelini at the coordinator level. But just in terms of fundamental defensive football, I mean, it's led to some crazy, crazy rumors in the last 24 hours or so, too. I know Todd Grantham down there where you're at at the University of Florida. He's in essentially the same boat as Pete Golding right now. And we talked about this in the – we've got some SEC Western Division coordinators that are making in excess of $2.1 million per season, and they're not exactly throwing shutouts at people right (laughs) now. Uh, You know, look, Felipe Franks, God bless him. And if you had told me before the season, Felipe Franks might actually improve his brand as a college quarterback by going to Arkansas, I wouldn't have believed you. Mm -hmm. But I thought he was really, really good against Auburn on Saturday. He was amazing in a lot of ways, and and, and Trav, the thing that really surprised me, and and it, look, I get the blown call in the SEC needs to take the time to get that call right. They've got the the personnel with the money, and they've got the technology. But what surprised me in that Arkansas game was on Arkansas's last possession. Now, I don't know why people haven't talked about this much. They really took the ball out of his hand. I mean, they that they ran the ball in order for Auburn to use their timeout instead of throwing. Tramp, all he's got to do is do a bootleg and hit the tight end uh, for, for a first down, and that, and that Auburn game is over, and Arkansas won the game. Yeah, Arkansas should have won the game regardless. They got yes. screwed on the quick whistle. I, I, I agree with that, but I also agree with what you're saying. You have an opportunity with, with, with the football up. Anders Carlson gifts you a missed field goal, yeah. and you've got four-minute offense at your disposal to go ahead and just ice that game. Arkansas wasn't able to do it. Again, should have won the game regardless, even after that, because of the backward spike. Uh, but the quick whistle got him on that. And uh, yeah, I talked about this yesterday. You know, Arkansas really should be right now 2-0 and in the division, That's as right. crazy as that sounds. And when you look at Alabama the next couple weeks with Georgia, with Tennessee, when you look at the West right now, would you go as far, Brent, to say that even a split of Georgia and Tennessee will still put Alabama in great, great shape as yeah. far as getting to Atlanta is concerned? Because that's kind of the way I see it right now. Yeah, and it's usually you and I think a lot alike with things like that. And I, and I was looking at that uh, because, frankly, Trav, what we found in the beginning of the year uh, is, is changed a lot at this point. Uh, Mississippi State, LSU, Auburn, and Arkansas. Uh, and uh, Trav, if we would have said, and again, that, that they can have a lot of injuries, a lot could happen, but with those games we just mentioned, Trav, if we'd have said Arkansas may be the toughest opponent at the end of the year, people would have laughed us off the <laughs> off the air, would they not? <laughs> you know, it is because A&M suddenly looks new and shiny again yes. after the upset of Florida right. in College Station. Ole Miss, you know, after its performance offensively at least, left you thinking that with what it's got coming up, uh, you know, that uh, Ole Miss Arkansas on Saturday at 2:30 yeah. has suddenly become sort of must see television. I never yeah. would have thought that two weeks ago, Brent. <laughs> hey, and Trav, knowing Ole Miss, and again, 
that this may be very different with Lane, but knowing Ole Miss, could you see the way Arkansas is being consistent? Ole Miss absolutely laying an egg and not being able to do anything. And I tell you what, uh, what Pittman has done, and particularly Barry Oldham with that home defense, has been more than a little bit impressive. Uh, uh, particularly the way, as you mentioned, that Franks has upped his game uh, at this point. Uh, Trav, I wouldn't at all be surprised uh, if Arkansas beats him a couple touchdowns. Well, think about it this way. Six years ago, Lane Kiffin went to Fayetteville and definitely laid an egg on offense. Alabama won that game, as you might recall, 14 to 13. That's right. Basically on a blocked extra point by Jonathan Allen. Oh, yeah. And by the way, that was coming off the heels of, wait for it, an Alabama Ole Miss game. Ooh, that's right. It's kind of six degrees of Kevin Bacon going on, six degrees (laughs) of Lane Kiffin. Yeah. When we get around to looking at it uh, like that. So, yeah, when we look at this league and this division right now and you consider what's coming up this weekend, you know, it, it's ever-changing, really, other than Alabama winning. And so, you know, Mississippi State, the the, the, the darling, the, 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 the prodigal son, Mike Leach, uh, in the performance against LSU, how quickly has that changed for that program? You know, give up six interceptions against Kentucky on the road. Um, And then we kind of get, I thought some of the post-game comments from coaches Saturday were (laughs) particularly intriguing. Mike Leach basically went Mike Leach on his own team after that loss. And then Dan Mullen, after the Texas A&M game with that crowd at – at Kyle Field uh, didn't didn't sound or look like twenty four thousand or so I guess on television and uh, didn't come off that way to Dan I guess either LSU goes to Gainesville this weekend I don't think Mullen's going to get what he wants though there at Florida Field oh no as a matter of fact they've got an allotted number of tickets for the game trap which is about seventeen thousand or so and what Dan hasn't said yet they haven't even sold those tickets yet. So, uh, but much less trying to double or triple what they've got. Uh, the uh, the leech statement about getting rid of the malcontents was uh, typical leech. And then, uh, Trav, I think what happened with Mullen is Mullen's trying to get the focus off of his defense and Todd Grantham and get everyone focused in on him uh, during the week and what he's trying to say. At that point, too, the biggest stat that I've seen so far for Florida, and again, what Trask and the offense are able to do, I think is impressive, at least in the first half. Trav, Florida right now has allowed 100 points in, in three games, first time since 1917. They didn't allow 100 points last year to game number eight. Mm. You're giving Dan Mullen a lot of credit for that <laughs> sort of psychoanalysis there. <laughs> Um, and I, and I, I, and I give you credit for it because I hadn't even thought of that, but I, I don't know if I can give Dan Mullen that much credit. That's where I, that's where I struggle is giving Dan that much credit for, for being that witty and that smart and yeah. that, uh, forward thinking coming off a tough loss to the Texas A&M Aggies. And by the way, Dan, I mean, after watching LSU Brent oh, against man. Missouri on Saturday in front of 10,000 fans. Yeah. At right. Moreau Field, I think 17,000 ought to be enough against this LSU team. Boy, you talk about a situation where 
uh, you know, picking up the pieces is is the is the call of the day, especially on that defensive side of the ball. Uh, the uh, 586 yards uh, allowed against Missouri uh, to say Bo Pelini is struggling would be, uh, uh, to put it mildly, it really makes you. Of course, uh, O came out and defended him as as any head coach would do. Uh, FSU won it too for the first time since '94. But Trav, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. There's no way you can lose that kind of coaching staff, particularly. Dave Aranda uh, on that defensive side of the ball and just uh, be able to um, uh, to rebuild that team. But but the thing, particularly when you think about last year, Trav LSU at the Missouri one-yard line, four attempts, uh, absolutely unable to get it in. That, I, uh, that, that was amazing, wasn't that it? That was the, as bad as DBU was. Yes. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball against a Missouri offense, yeah, that was working at a major deficit in terms of three of its top four wide yeah. receivers being out, and you still Absolutely. got lit up. I think you just said it, man. First and goal from inside the one, not even the one <laughs> right. inside the one. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And LSU can't get the ball in the end zone. No. There. And all the credit in the world to Eli Drinkwitz and, you know, Missouri for rebounding from a tough start against quality competition in Alabama and Tennessee, but you can say whatever you want about Les Miles, but I feel pretty certain that yeah. one of his teams yeah. is getting in from a half yard out against Missouri <laughs> on first and goal oh, yeah, uh, yeah. in four shots there. I, I would think, you know, Les would figure out a way to get that, that football across the old, uh, the old end line there. What about Auburn and South Carolina in one of those early games this week? Um, we, every week's big for Will Muschamp, it seems. Sure. Uh, you know, Auburn's going to go in there as a as a road favorite right now. I don't know if I'd be all that comfortable, though, laying the three and a half with the Tigers uh, at Williams-Price Stadium on Saturday morning. Well, uh, the uh, I say this. Uh, Bigsby was a uh, tank was a guy that I was really impressed with. Really, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 and we talked about that a little bit at the beginning of the year about what he could do. Uh, but Trav, we've said this for years, and uh, it, and it has not failed to materialize. The truth of the matter is, uh, Bo Nix has frankly not improved. Uh, and and I know Gus gets his quarterback whisperer thing uh, and obviously he's got chad morris with him but i'm telling you pal that that offense is nothing to be proud of right now at auburn and 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 i think the other thing that amazes me is uh and and while i still think bo nix is a good quarterback uh but i still haven't seen him improve that much during the time he's been at auburn uh from an from a quarterback iq uh trav did did Bo just panic in that situation? Cause sure, I, he did. I, I, I would, I would think that his quarterback IQ would know not to do that. Well, and also it sort of goes back to that was an under center play, right? He tried mm-hmm. to go under center, and he we did. don't see quarterbacks do that anymore. No, we don't. That's so, true. you know, situationally, it, it's something that there's a great level of disconnect for most quarterbacks around college football these days. Mac Jones is one of the ex- exceptions. Um, Stetson Bennett at Georgia, the two quarterbacks in the game this week are among the very few that even in terms of somewhere approaching double digit snaps per game, you will see them 
go under center. So there's that. You know, I've said this before about Auburn. I don't care who the quarterback is in Gus's system. If they can't run the ball effectively on a consistent basis, it doesn't really matter. Now, Bixby, maybe he's going to give them that moving forward after Saturday. But Bo is what he is. You know, the the good side of Bo, if you're an Auburn fan, is you're going to have him for four years. Yes. Because he is not a guy that the NFL will be drooling over after he starts for two or three seasons. So you've got some stability there at the position long term. Uh, but you better be really good around him. And so, you know, Seth Williams, as we've talked about ad nauseum, really good player. Anthony Schwartz, I actually saw some more receiver-like stuff out of him against Arkansas, so that was encouraging. Uh, but I think that's a, you know, the, we've talked make or break games for Will Muschamp. This is, you know, this is another opportunity it for is. him to get the two and two and a win over a top 15 in Auburn in his in, uh, on his home field. Yeah, well, no doubt. And Colin Hill's done okay, frankly. Uh, Kevin Kevin Harris, I've been a little bit more impressed with at running back. Uh, they've got Shai Smith, and, and unfortunately, that's about it with them. I take Trav, uh, to me, uh, K.J. Britt going out uh, has really has really hurt Auburn, has it not? Um, I think beyond what he can do, I, I think he's an emotional leader uh, in that team. But I tell you, uh, uh, Trav, uh, uh, if they had not beaten Vandy, there was a real chance they were going to start like 0-6 in, in South Carolina. Uh, but, but, but look, I, I still I still don't think Ray Tanner wants to fire Will Muschamp. And, his his uh, checkbook doesn't. You know uh, that. No, no. And, and Trav, that, that, that buyout, of course, Gus's is $20 million, and you've still got a buyout with – uh, with Muschamp, that's like what, Trav, ten to thirteen, yeah, or something least, like yeah. that. So in the, in this COVID era, uh, I, regardless of what both those coaches do, who are playing each other this week, they'll be back next year. Yeah, yeah. You know, we talk about the potential for eggs after impressive performances the previous week. You know, under Kevin Sumlin, and even under Jimbo, a little bit. This has been one of those kind of weeks for the Texas A&M Aggies as they get ready to go to Mississippi State. Mississippi State has looked awful offensively, turning it over uh, what seems like a thousand times in each of its last two losses. But we've seen A&M in this spot before go into Starkville and leave uh, rather unhappy. So what's your trust level uh, in the Aggies going on the road this Saturday afternoon? I think uh, the, the difference in this game, uh, and even though the, uh, the the quarterbacks will get all the attention, I think who wins the game will be uh, decided between uh, Kylan Hill and Isaiah Spiller. Uh, it, it, Spiller ran with authority and physicality, Trav, that I have not seen him run with in quite a while. So I, I thought he made a real difference in that game. But, but listen, you're right. I mean, even with that win, um, everybody's going to be talking about Jimbo's turned the corner and how good they are. Uh, but, Trev, you and I followed Jimbo for years. The The problem with Jimbo is not after a loss. The problem with yeah. Jimbo is after a win, right? And it was that way with Big Sum, too, when he was in College Station. Absolutely. And I agree on Isaiah Spiller. There was definitely some juice uh, with the sophomore running back against Florida. I think maybe he finally came to the realization that 
if that wasn't going to be the case, Anaya Smith was going to be at least sharing carries with sure. him. And what I think Jimbo would love to see happen is what he got from Spiller against Florida on a weekly basis. And yeah. then he can use Smith uh, in, in some different ways and have them both on the field together. And that was a surprising thing to me about Florida, because as you sort of outlined earlier, you're just not used to seeing the Gators give it up like that no. on defense. And A&M came out in the third quarter and just said, here comes the run game. Nothing fancy. And that was after Mon did a lot to help set it up. He was fantastic in the first half, especially of that game. But, um, yeah, that was that was a that was a wire to wire thriller there in College Station. As we let you go, Brent, uh, final thoughts here on Georgia, Alabama. What are you going to be looking for primarily uh, and we look forward to having you up, by the way, this weekend. Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, and, and you've outlined some of this in your writing, and I think this is important. And, and some of this uh, is little things. I think the difference in a game like this could be can the Alabama running backs not catch, not run, but, Trav, can they pick up the blitz? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I think that's going to be huge for them, right? Yeah, I, I think how Alabama goes about, beating the pressure, and does Kirby bring it as much yeah. as we saw uh, against Tennessee? Absolutely. Now, every matchup is different. I'm sure Georgia defensively saw something in Tennessee's pass protection, even more so than its offensive line, but its backs, right. that it said, look, third and long, we can get after this guy with an extra rusher because they they are not sufficient uh, in, their, in, their, in their blitz schemes, blitz pickup schemes. And that, that can entail – you know, getting the ball out hot, too. It can be more than just a back picking up the blitz. What's your screen game like on on blitz situations? You know, the quick stuff to the outside guys. You know, you got to be a little more blitz-weary, I think, this week I, if you're I, Georgia. I because not just in terms of protection, but, okay, you bring those guys and you leave the middle of the field open, there's a slant to Jalen Waddle or Devontae yeah. Smith that's going to go 70. So, you know, there's some deterrence in play for Alabama across the board offensively that, that I don't think Tennessee had at its disposal last week. Uh, well, and I'll say this real quick, too. This is a big stage for some of these younger Georgia guys who, who are beginning to step up. Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton, who played well mm-hmm. against Tennessee. Karis Jackson, who also is helping Fred Pickens. Trev, I, I just wonder, in a stage like this, do those guys pick it up or – uh, or could it be a little bit too much for them? Uh, well, what, I think that's important. They're going to have to because yeah, I think Alabama's absolutely. thinking we're going to try to lock up Pickens on the outside with our corners who we actually right. feel good about on this defense. Yes. And then Trey McKitty, the grad transfer from Florida State at the tight end position. McIntosh, you mentioned the backs. Um, you know, where Alabama has been absolutely – gashed and slashed is in the interior of the back yes. seven right and no the defensive front has had issues too getting out of gaps still so um that's where georgia is i'm sure thinking it's it's going to make its hey hey brent as always we appreciate you taking the time as expected a little bit of a longer run with brent on a tuesday but that's okay too that means we have a lot of good stuff to talk about with our great friend brent beard of college sports today and first coast news thanks brent my pleasure pal take care there he goes, Brent Beard. Give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already, at Brent Beard, B-E-A-I-R-D. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide, 100.9 FM, 
right after this. A bright sunny sky across West Alabama today. The high 78, clear tonight, below 53. Tomorrow and Thursday, lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 81 and 84. Friday, breezy and much cooler with a sunny sky. The high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Day that channel, the great Paul Simon, Paul Simon playlist. That's your theme of the day here on Southern Fried Sports. Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Thanks again to Brent Beard, College Sports Today and First Coast News, joining us on the program. James Ludeman informs me that we've had some callers. In regards to story, story time at the Nick, we may have to do a separate show. Maybe tomorrow that's what we'll do. Maybe we'll just do a the Nick rocks story time. And we do have time, by the way, if you want to jump in real quick at 205-342-9904. The show is always brought to you in part by our great friends at Houston Hydrostein. Whether it's your carpets, your rugs, your upholstery, your tile and grout cleaning, they can take great care of you there. Houston Hydra Steam, home of the Houston Rug Revival. I can attest to it. It is outstanding. You need it done. So make the call right now, 205-553-9460. Yeah, man, kind of feels like, kind of feels like around this Alabama team, feels a little bit like post-Arkansas in 2014. You know, kind of touched on that with Brent during the segment. Remember that? Alabama? had lost the previous week at Ole Miss. Yeah. Scored 17 points with Lane Kiffin in Oxford that day. We don't talk about those as much, though. And then proceeded to go back on the road the next week in wet, sort of nasty conditions, reminiscent of last Saturday night, only this time in northwest Arkansas. And a stinker from the Alabama offense, 14-13, to 13. The Crimson Tide squeaked by there, the Razorbacks. Talked about it with Brent. Jonathan Allen with a blocked extra point, which ended up being huge in that uh, performance. All around, it wasn't just the offense. The defense was fine. J.K. Scott was actually the MVP of that game. He won that game. I'll still, I'll still die on that hill when it comes to 2014 Arkansas. J.K. Scott was incredible as a true freshman. In that game, he kept Arkansas on the long field all night. Otherwise, Arkansas wins that game. And that was not a good Brett Beal on the team. Most of them were. But that one certainly wasn't. And uh, squeak by by one. Everybody's talking about how bad Lane Kiffin is, like Pete Golding. Yeah, I know. We forget all that. People are all over Lane Kiffin. Offense can't do anything. Um, Saban on the Monday after Arkansas, as I recall, he sort of took exception with all that, really uh, went on the offensive in terms of defending his players first and foremost. And I thought not to that extent in terms of in terms of the energy he exuded yesterday. Um, he did go in depth about being proud of his team 
surviving the kind of fight it found itself in in Oxford. So he took more of the glass as half full, more of an optimistic viewpoint of what could come from a game like last Saturday night. And so you know what happened in 2014, right? The week after Arkansas, Alabama goes out and puts 59 on Kevin Sumlin in the Texas A&M Aggies here in Tuscaloosa. 59 to nothing, that Alabama team. Now, I'm not saying, again, not predicting a shutout for the Alabama defense, but matchups and mindsets. Matchups and mindsets. Think about where that Arkansas game fell in 2014, too. The huge matchup with Ole Miss and Oxford. Then you had to go to Fayetteville. And then you knew you had Texas A&M at home on the other side of that. Kind of similar. Kind of similar. And again, matchups are, are everything. And I think this is a more favorable matchup for this Alabama defense than even last week was. But you still got to tackle. Still got to tackle somebody. Still got to figure out what you're going to do in the first half at the one safety spot. Speaking of tackling, uh, with Jordan Battle out due to the targeting penalty there uh, against Ole Miss. I think, I don't know how Daniel Wright doesn't start at safety because he's a redshirt junior. He knows the calls. Nothing about really at this point skill set or anything tangible, more intangibly. Who else do you have other than Jordan Battle and Daniel Wright that can call the call, make the calls in the secondary? DeMarco Hellams has played very little. Eddie Smith has played none. You know? You gonna you gonna put a true freshman back there calling the making the play calls? I don't think so. So uh, that'll be fascinating to watch play out throughout the week as well. That's gonna do it for a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks again to Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. Yashika Barnes and her folks do an outstanding job. You should give them a call as well. 886-3616. You're talking about 20 years of exemplary service. Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. Today's Lunch Whistle brought to you by Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Frank and the crew, Will and the crew. Great, great stuff there. Right there at the parking deck down there, downtown Tuscaloosa. Parking's easy, easy to get in and out. It is a Tuesday, so it is a Thai Chicken Pizza Tuesday at Heat Pizza Bar. $7 Thai Chicken Pizzas starting at 6 o'clock. Thanks again to James Ludeman for producing the program. Thanks to Brent Beard. Thanks to you as well. Until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. Thank you.